Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast on Wednesday, February the 21st. And our top story today is that research has found more than half of people on universal credit here in the southeast are unable to afford enough food to last the month. The study has been done by the Trussell Trust, who are now urging the government to take action by increasing benefit payments. They go on to say more than 88,000 people in the region who are claiming universal credit have needed to use a food bank in the last month. Well, I've been speaking to Esther, who's the project manager of the Swale Food Bank. This has been happening for a while, but of course the cost of living crisis has has increased the pressure on every household, including mine and yours, I'm sure. Um, so every household is having to count the pennies a little bit more, watch what we're spending a little bit more. But when you are already on the breadline, you're already struggling, and we already know that universal credit isn't enough to live on, and then you add the cost of living crisis, it is a bit of a perfect storm again where we're seeing people, you know, really struggling. And how are you guys coping? Because presumably there are even there's even more demand on your service, more people needing your help. Yeah. So um, we have um, been very much struggling over the last um, few months. It has been um, incredibly difficult, actually. We're having to purchase a lot of food, along with many other food banks. I, I know that pretty much every food bank in the country at the moment is having to purchase food rather than just rely on donations. However, um, we have actually just reintroduced, previous to COVID, we used to have like a guideline, like a restriction of how many food parcels you could have in six months. And we've just reintroduced that to try and control um, the amount that's going out of stock and that's needing to go out from us each month. Um, and we think that will help at least to stem some of the, the tide. Um, but of course, that means that people are going to struggle, um, you know, because they're not having our support every week. So, you know, it's a bit of a... Um, catch-22 situation. That must be a really difficult thing for you to have to do because you yeah. want to help as many people as you can. Yeah, we do. But we also don't want people to be reliant on food banks. That's the thing to remember. All trust or trust food banks, our aim always is to end the need for food banks in the UK. So for me, ending the, the need for food banks in this town, in our community, is the most important thing. And we and all my staff and our volunteers, that is our aim. So everything that we do, we're working towards ending the need for food banks. So if we keep on growing and, and, you know, making people reliant on us. Actually, we're not ending the need for food banks, we're increasing it. So we need people to, you know, start budgeting better. Need to, you know, not that you can budget your way out of this one, of course, but, you know, just making really good choices about what you're doing, shopping around for deals. I don't know. There are lots of things. Talking to people like Citizens Advice, those are the things that I think people can do that really can help them. The Chancellor will be making his spring budget statement in just a couple of weeks' time. What would you like to hear him say? We would really like to hear an increase in um, universal credit because I think that's desperately needed. In line with the cost of living crisis, we know that um, people are struggling um, and we need to see that that the, the amount that they're paying people, you know, the minimum amount they're supposed to have to live on needs to increase in order that people won't need our services. We aren't supposed to be here. We're here because, you know, the government aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. They aren't paying people the amount of money they should be. And so I would like to be made redundant. That's what that's, I say this is where I go. Make, put me out of a job, put me and my team out of a job. We'd love to have that and find another, you know, another use for our skills. Um, but we'd like, you know, we'd like to close our food banks down and not have to be here anymore. It's a very difficult situation, isn't it? Because I think perhaps the the government sometimes say, well, if we if we keep that cost of that particular benefit low, it'll encourage more people to go out for work. And it's kind of where do you draw the line? I suppose isn't it? it's a tricky one. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, it's it's not all, it's not a case of some people just can't work. 
for various reasons, they just aren't able to work. They don't have the skills yet. There's training and they, they may have addiction issues. There's many, many reasons why people aren't in work. Um, and yeah, it's not as simple as let's keep the payments low and get them into work. It just doesn't work that way. Um, so they need to be, pay people the appropriate amount in order that they're not using our health. And are you seeing people, Esther, that have you'd never seen use a food bank before just because of the whole situation? As you say, it's not just those on universal credit. Everyone's struggling at the moment. Every single week, I think we're seeing, we're seeing brand new people we've never seen before using our food banks for the very first time, not actually knowing how to navigate the benefit system, not knowing how to navigate, you know, getting a food parcel. What do I do? Where do I go? How do I do this? Um, that's happening really, really, really regularly. So on a very regular basis and not just us, of course, I'm sure I speak for every food bank across the country. We're seeing people who've never used our services before, who have no idea how to navigate this system. It's a whole brand new thing for them and scary. So, you know, we know that and we, we make do everything we can to make sure that the people who come in to us are, you know, we accommodate for that. You know, we try and make it as easy as possible try and relieve any anxieties people have. We have been sent a statement from a government spokesperson. This is what it says. We're providing £104 billion in cost of living support worth on average £3,700 per household, including investing over £2 billion into the Household Support Fund to help those most in need. And almost £800 million has been paid out to families with children so far. Since 2010, there are 1.7 million fewer people living in absolute poverty and we know work is the best route out of poverty so we're going even further raising the national living wage cutting national insurance curbing inflation and investing billions through our back to work plan to break down barriers to work so even more people can secure long-term financial security now perhaps you're on universal credit have you struggled to afford food or had to use a food bank we'd like to be able to tell your story you can email news at thekmgroup.co.uk or message us on our socials. Kent Online News. Other top stories for you in today's episode and tributes are being paid to a man who died after being hit by a car on a dark country lane near Sittingbourne. 34-year-old James Catanio was walking along Sheppey Way in the early hours of the morning when he was killed on the 3rd of February. He worked at a local factory and bosses say he was kind and genuine and will be greatly missed. Two companies are set to be prosecuted after a worker was seriously injured at a nuclear power station in Kent. They were working at Dungeness B on Romney Marsh when they were hurt in June 2022. A watchdog has notified owners EDF and contractors Trillium Flow Services that you in court under the Health and Safety at Work Act. Alcohol's been seized from several children during a crackdown on antisocial behaviour in part of East Kent. A 12-year-old boy was arrested on suspicion of criminal damage and shoplifting in Sandwich, a 16-year-old girl was also detained in Minster for breaching a community protection notice, preventing large groups from gathering. Now, the body shop in Ashford Town Centre has closed a week after the retailer went into administration. It was among seven stores to shut their doors immediately yesterday. Royal reporter Chantal Weller has been speaking to shoppers in the town to get their reaction. I'm not surprised because it's way too expensive. Their product's just too expensive, so I'm not surprised at all. Yeah. Do you think it's a bit sad because obviously this is one of now many shops in yeah. County Square that are closed? Yeah. yeah. It's again, it's all prices and I suppose rents. I don't know what the rent is. Things like that. If people was buying the product, the shop would be open, whichever shop you talk about. And if they're not, why aren't they? Yeah. So 
So the Ashford one is one of seven to close across the UK immediately today. Yeah. Are you shocked that County Square was chosen, or do you think that it's quite often empty? And I would think the County Square is quite often empty simply because there's no footfall, because there's no decent shops, because you know prices. It's a whole knock-on downward thing. So it doesn't surprise me at all. And it's just a sign of the times that we live in now. All the shops seem to be going one by one. Yeah. And it's just another one. Another one bites the dust, as they say. Very sad. Very yeah. sad. So, obviously, there's quite a lot of shops that have closed in County Square. Mm. Do you think that that's sort of more to do with Ashford and, like, low footfall to the shopping centre? Or do you think that it is just sort of down to the current climate? I think it's down to the current climate and the, and the um, sign of the times, really, that everybody can get so much online now and, um, and uh, you know, to pay the parking costs uh, to come into town as well. I don't think Ashford's unique in that form. I think it's happening in most towns. There's not many that are really, really thriving, only the sort of probably the special, unique towns, if you like, with have other things to draw people in. It's just sad that there's another one going, another empty space. Um, I just think the end there where Debenhams has gone, um, you know, it's not an experience to come into town now. I think the parking's way too much, and that's what's putting a lot of people off, and probably the rents. But, you know, it's just sad that yet another one has gone. Does it put you off coming to County Square? I know that you mentioned you do come in quite a lot and you make that effort, but... Do you think that maybe other people might not? I think other people are put off, yeah, because we just come in because we, we have a coffee, we'll have a bit of lunch. Um, but I think other people are put off from shopping here. One, first off, for the parking, how much that is an hour. It's a bit extortionate. And but other than that, you know, it's a nice place to be, but it's just as things close down, people say, oh, I won't bother, I'll go to Canterbury or I'll go to Maidstone or something like that. Do you think that the body shop closing in County Square will have a big impact on the footfall or do you think it's already quite low and it might just stay the same? I don't think the body shop itself will have a big impact because it's quite niche and, you know, if you, there's a lot of things, moisturisers and things like that, makeup, that you can get in Superdrug boots. So I don't think that would be a big impact. But a lot of the others, like Debenhams, I think, has had a big impact. Um, but, it, you know, as I said, it's just sad to see everything shutting down. Nearly half of the chain stores will eventually go, with a restructuring plan, we're told, focusing on products and online sales. Kent Online reports. New 20-mile-per-hour signs in Herne Bay have been spray-painted by vandals as residents continue to rage over the scheme. It follows an outcry last week over red road markings, which tell drivers they're in the new go-slow zone. Well, at least a dozen signs have been hit with the paint the measures were introduced as part of the council's active travel initiative. This is a topic that we did cover in the podcast last week, so do head back to the episode to have a listen. And you can see pictures of those signs that have been graffitied by heading to the website today. A couple living in a village near Canterbury say their dream home has been ruined by new houses being built next door. It wasn't until diggers rolled in that they realised just how big the development in Broadoak would be, with two-storey properties now towering over 
over their back garden. Well, developers say 456 homes will be built as part of the project and it was assessed in the planning process before being approved by the council and they found to have no impacts on existing residents. Trolleys have been left dumped all over a Tesco car park in Tenterden after the trolleys to store them were removed. This is actually one of our most read stories on the website today. Contractors have just finished resurfacing work outside the shop. Bosses say the setup is temporary and new shelters will be installed soon. You can have a say and see the pictures by heading to Kent Online. Kent Online reports. Now, Kent shopping centres, police stations and even supermarkets are among the latest places to be hit by YouTube auditors. That you're requesting me to stop filming up towards a window when someone's hanging their window. That's their our head. building. I don't you, care. You have no permission to film inside your our request, Your request to ask me to stop filming in the direction of a window when someone's hanging you're their head out of it. it. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Ten, five minutes ago, five minutes ago, I had my drone up looking in. Don't matter. Why? Now, this latest online craze sees people filming themselves, asserting their rights to take photos and film on public land, and sometimes getting into a scrap with security guards. If I'm being detained, no. do tell me. You're detained at this moment in time until I ascertain who you are, all right? Under what section? We're detained at the moment. Under what section? What power are you using? What power are you using? Hello? You may not have heard of it before, but there's even a Kent Audit UK channel where the host tries to draw a reaction from sites across the county. You can see some of those videos that we've just played effects from there at Kent Online today. Well, Chris Britcher has been looking into this for a special report on Kent Online and joins me on the podcast now. Chris, thanks ever so much for being on the episode. Who did you speak to then and what did they say about auditing? Hi, Nick. Uh, I've got to be honest with you. I think this is one of the oddest stories I've written recently. Um, firstly, auditing is a word which conjures up an accountant checking over your books to make sure all your sums are adding up properly. And this is far from the case here. The auditors of YouTube tend to be one man bands who film public buildings in the hope primarily, I suspect, they will be confronted by security or police to generate good content. And that, of course, equates to plenty of views online. As to trying to speak to auditors, auditors, that in itself was a bit of a challenge, I must admit. Um, They jealously guard their identities and most refuse to chat. However, one man who has accompanied these so-called auditors on a number of visits was willing to discuss the strange phenomenon with me. And did he give you any ideas as to why they do it? Well, to be honest, he was refreshingly honest in admitting that without any form of confrontation, then the video will garner little interest on YouTube, where, of course, you can make decent money with popular films. Some of the most popular auditors pull in remarkably hundreds of thousands of views with each clip, which can equate to several thousand pounds worth of YouTube-derived income. But in a nutshell, he said it was about asserting their rights to film people and places from public land, which of course it is, um, albeit few would, I suspect, say the way they go about it endears them to the likes of the police who often get called out by concerned security guards and business owners. Any response from authorities on these people, Chris? Absolutely. I spoke to the police who have issued guidance to officers nationwide on how to handle the auditors. I mean, generally speaking, this is to calmly deal with the situation and be alert to their rights to film. A local council uh, who had a visit from one of these YouTubers I also spoke to when they gave their views, and also the British drone flyers who were concerned at the reputation they give regular drone users. I think the overriding message from all of the authorities is that if these people doing these films don't get the angry confrontations they seek, 
then the appetite to watch these sort of clips will probably fade. Chris, thank you ever so much. And you can read that report in full on the website and let us know what you think. Quite a few of you are having a say. Kent Online News. Residents in Gravesend say they won't object to 50 new homes being built in their back gardens as long as a medical centre is built there too. Plans have been drawn up to develop the former St Joseph's Convent Prep. It's been empty since 2021. Locals want the proposed doctor's surgery to be built first, though, to make sure the developer doesn't run out of money. A group of volunteers have taken matters into their own hands to clean up a woodland on Sheppey after the council failed to help. When around 5,000 trees were planted in Kingsborough Manor Woodland, they each had their own protective plastic cover. Those covers were left littered on the ground. The Swale Council say they've no legal obligation to pick them up, but have offered to dispose of any that are collected. Work to take down hated hoardings around a seafront development in Hythe will start next week. The bright white barriers at the Prince's Parade site will be transferred to the Ossipal Park development. During the removal, the council will be working with conservationists to make sure wildlife habitats are safeguarded. And finally, there's a groundbreaking ceremony today to mark the construction of a new building at a school in Ashford. Pupils from Chilmington Green will be there to watch the development get underway, along with representatives from the council and Department for Education, as well as the town's MP. Kent Online Sports. Football and it was a point for Gillingham last night as they held the League Two leaders to a draw. It finished nil-nil against Stockport County at Priestfield. Head coach Stephen Clements spoke to reporters after the match. It's a very difficult game. They're, they're, uh, they're, they're the top scorers in the division so we knew we was going to have to be spot on defensively today um, and they tested us at times but I don't really think they've threatened us too much. I mean, they've got one or two shots. I know they hit the, the post with a a wide free kick, which was probably actually a cross, but it's hit the, hit the post. Um, so defensively, we were very, very sound, and the boys had to really, really work hard for their clean sheet against very good footballers in this division. Uh, so I'm, I'm really proud of the boys' efforts tonight. Yeah, we didn't create enough ourselves, um, but um, we, we, I thought we were much better in the second half than, than the first. Um, and uh, yeah, we take the point and we move on. That, that's, that's a good point there today. Um, Point at home to Swindon, probably last week when you get done in the 94th minute is a bad point, but that's that's a, that's a good point, um, and we just have to move on to the next game now. Um, so we're showing that we compete can compete against most teams in the division, um, and uh, and we'll, we'll continue to try and do that. Yeah, as you said, I'm sure you wanted would wanted to have created more, but to, to take the point against Stockport County, there's not many teams that are going to. Keep a clean sheet against them. How do you how do you kind of reflect? What's your overall emotion after tonight's game? Um, my emotion is, I'm, as I say, I'm, I'm, I feel okay. I'm, I'm not I'm not really happy. I'm, I'm not I'm not disappointed either. I think the boys have really really had to work hard to keep their clean sheet tonight um, and and limit Stockport to very very little. Um, yeah, we could have created more, um, but we're playing against the top scorers in the division, um, and they do move the ball around quite well and we had to work hard and be disciplined uh, in our in, in our shape um, yeah we could have passed the ball better and there's still a lot of improvements that we can make in that in that area um, but um, yeah, sometimes you have to respect the opposition, and and I, and I think um, I think we've done okay. I think it's a good point tonight. Defender Shadogi has also been giving us his thoughts on the game. You know, stepped in the right direction, considering like um, the last previous game. It's good that you know the boys kept a clean sheet. You know, just take that forward now to Wrexham on the weekend. Just appeared that both sides kind of cancelled each other out. There wasn't an awful lot of chances in the game. I think Jake's made one 
significant save but apart from that I think they've hit the post once and that was about it really yeah exactly we came into the game we knew that what Southport were about you know we had to try to get on the second and just really just be on our A game from, from the start which I feel like the boys have done I'm sure you would have liked to have created more uh, going forwards but this is a very very strong Stockport side yeah exactly um, I felt like we, we didn't really create as much as we would have wanted to but considering that's the league leaders you know with the um, top goals as well so felt like the boys um, dug in and you know done well today well the gaffer just said to us if you keep a clean sheet then you're always in the game and Ashton Addison had a really good chance in the second half didn't quite take it but a point to get Stockport and on to Wrexham Saturday yeah, exactly. another tough one yeah I'll just rest and recover we go from there so how are you feeling lots of headers in the particularly in the second half how are you feeling um, got a bit of a headache but um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll be alright I'll be fine yeah in, in, all in all a hard fought hard fought point against a very strong side yeah exactly look the boys done well like I said you know we just got to carry that now to to Wrexham on Saturday the Jills are now 8th in the League 2 table that's just outside the playoffs but it's been revealed new Jills striker Josh Andrews has picked up another injury he scored for the B team in a friendly against Brentford yesterday before pulling up with a thigh muscle problem well that's all from us for today thanks ever so much for listening don't forget of course you can follow us on Facebook X, Instagram, TikTok and Threads plus you can get details on the top stories direct to your email each morning via the briefing to sign up to that you just need to head to Kent online.co.uk News you can trust This is the Kent Online Podcast